Okay, hey y'all, welcome to today's episode of Every Mom Needs a Friend. Hope you're having a wonderful Monday or whenever you're listening to this. I am excited for today's episode because I'd like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser, but I'm currently working through this right now at my age, and I know many of y'all are, and I truly allow this podcast to be authentic to me in that although I plan it out a year in advance, like before I start a season, I write out 52 at least topics that I'd like to cover in the next year. I definitely leave room for pivoting weekend and week out based upon what's on my heart. And I just feel like this week we all need a dose or I would say antidote of people pleasing. And I'm only going to preface this here that this is not me talking at you, but working it out alongside you as I work through this too. And I'm just trying to find balance in my life of living for God and being generous with my time for others, but not being a doormat. (laughs) I mean, shoot. Okay. Well, let's just work through it and let me know your thoughts on Instagram if this is something you deal with too. All right. Okay. I feel like a TED talk, but picture this. (laughs) You're hanging out with some friends, maybe some new friends. And over the years, I've had many situations where I'm with a new group of people, new gals, and someone asks if you like something or like say it's a trendy thing, like a band or a show, like what are you watching? And deep down, you're not really into it, but you still find yourself like nodding along and enthusiastically, um, you know, trying to avoid any awkwardness or judgment if they think differently than you. Like I think about when I sit at a hair salon or in a service type situation where there maybe is me and a gal and we're having kind of an intimate long conversation. And I feel like the amount of times I've sat in a chair and just be like, oh my gosh, I disagree with so many different things, but she's doing my hair (laughs) and I trust her with my hair, trust her with my nails, trust her with whatever service. Um, And it just feels like I am not really being authentic to myself in that I, (laughs) like I can think about one time, um, one gal was like, do you ever listen to podcasts? And I'm sitting there being like, I actually host a podcast, but I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Do you, you know, it was just so stupid. I should have just been like, yeah, I actually love podcasts, but I just was so apprehensive to say which way, right or wrong, which is like, we're talking about podcasts. Anyway, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm just so glad. Like so many people are so diehard for podcasts. And it's like a really podcast that big of a deal. Like, have we just lost our zest for listening to music in the car? Did we always feel like we have to listen to a podcast? And I was like, oh my gosh, girl, yeah, podcasts are the worst. And I'm like, I left feeling so icky, like so weird. I'm like, am I okay? Like, I straight up lied. Like, I love podcasts. I love you. I love you listening to my podcast, but I also myself listen to tons of podcasts. And I just don't understand why I avoid awkwardness, I guess, that much. Like, I think we've all been there where we're trying to fit in and make others happy, even if it means sacrificing our own preferences or like, I don't know, worse, sacrificing our authenticity. But here's the thing, constantly seeking approval and validation from others can be so exhausting. You'll think it's going to build you up and make you sleep better, but it's like living your life on someone else's terms, constantly adjusting your actions and opinions to please those around you. 
Ugh, and like, let's be real. It's impossible to please everyone all the time or keep up the storyline. So why do we do it? Why do I do it? Well, I think part of it comes down to our like innate desire for connection, our innate desire for belonging. And I believe that can be super spiritual. Like we want to be liked and accepted by others. So we go out of our way to accommodate their needs and desires, even if it means neglecting our own. Like you think this is the most sacrificial thing you can do. But the problem is when we prioritize the needs of others over our own in a way that's detrimental to us, we end up just feeling resentful and unfulfilled and disconnected from like us, if that makes sense. And I just wonder how we're going to break free from this people-pleasing cycle and start living like on our own terms. And I'm careful to say that because I really, I hope this isn't polarizing. Like, I don't believe it's like your truth, my truth. Like, I'm very careful for that because in my own sin nature, I'm broken. And I just don't have a silver bullet here, but I just wanted to start the conversation because y'all are my gals. And I just feel like there's this common misconception or lie that we tell ourselves that people pleasing, you know, the reason we do it is because we're so others focused that, you know, you're the most selfless person, that I'm the most selfless person. But really, let's just jump right into it. It's actually your inability to feel uncomfortable, my inability to feel uncomfortable, because I feel like if other people are happy in my presence, then I look better, feel better perceived better. And then my horrible sin bent is that I think of my sin in relation to others' sin instead of just like realizing that simply put, my sin separates me from God individually. It's this lie that we think that God like force ranks us and just cuts off the bottom 10% for hell. And it's taken me a long time not to think about myself in relation to others because that doesn't sanctify me. Truly, the act of self-awareness of my sin can allow for Jesus Christ to fill in the gap, nothing else. And I heard today a quote in church, um, and I'm actually feeling like I've heard this before, but it's by Jean LaRue. Um, LaRue? Jean LaRue, maybe? Anyway, it's like sounds like a Louisiana because it's L-A-R-R-O-U-X. But he said, if the biggest sinner you know isn't you, then you don't know yourself very well. And I like let that sit on me a while and realize that even at 32, I'm still working through this comparison um, when it comes to my sin and it's ugly. And so let's do a big question here and it's pretty clear, but okay. One, two, three. Are you a people pleaser? Simply put, do you find yourself being always the yes person and really never having the ability to say no you know, maybe it's a good thing. Like you love to be the helper. You want to be the first person to call. You don't want to appear fickle, but always down to drop everything like over your family, over yourself. I mean, it it sounds really nice, doesn't it? So maybe the bigger question here is, is there a chance that two things can both be held, that you can both be a really good person? And then there's times when you can put yourself first, put your family first. Don't put the person in front of you always over yourself. And I'm careful to say this because it's like literally the basis of my faith is that Jesus laid down his life for me. So I'm very careful for this topic because being sacrificial is not going to like put you in the pits of hell. It's just your heart behind it. So like when someone asks you to do something and you really don't think you can do it or potentially just don't want to do it. (laughs) are you actually able to just say no? 
Like when you say no, like, nope, can't do it. Do you allow yourself to sit in that feeling? Like let that feeling rise up and let yourself sit there for a second and try to be fully aware of how you're feeling. I'm very like cautious of this right now. I don't know if this is like as you get older and kind of the presence of maturity of like, okay, wow, I feel this way. I'm not going to be scared of this feeling of uncomfortability and I'm not going to just run from it. And I was in this marriage conference like several years ago, and it wasn't exactly my favorite marriage conference of my life um, for a whole plethora of reasons. Um, But one of the things I did talk about was come to find out a very clear like therapy practice of when you're feeling an emotion, where do you feel it in your body? Um, So like it'd be like if you are giving a speech and your throat like tightens up, like that's a clear like, oh, I'm feeling anxious and my throat is tightening up. You can point to the part on your body where you're feeling that emotion or like I don't know if you're really excited you're like jittery and you almost like your hands feel tingly or something like that or like when people say a pit in your stomach I'm just so interested and I'm so conscious of this right now of okay I'm feeling happy I'm feeling sad I'm feeling angry I'm feeling anxious embarrassed uncomfortable whatever word whatever emotion you're feeling try just try with me to pause in that moment and go where am I feeling this because for like my husband who has struggled with anxiety in the past and who has asthma, his truly his chest will get tight. Like truly he feels the weight on his chest. And I've only had that feeling like very sparsely in my life, but I have such empathy for him because the feeling of anxiety when it's a visceral response and you're having like pain in your chest, whoa, that is different than just like, I'm feeling nervous. Like this is a real, real deal. Like this is the real deal deal. And so when you are a people pleaser and you say no, and maybe you don't even have the best reason, you just don't want to do it. Or maybe it's like, I could do it, but it's at the expense of my family or something like that. And you have that pit in your stomach of like, I'm the worst, which I don't know. Like if you're not a people pleaser, this podcast episode, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about that like you can feel so gross because you just said no. And I just want us to think about like retraining our mind. There's so many ways and so many examples in life where I've had to retrain my mind. Like as stupid as this sounds, I went through this bout in my life of like where I was like cussing (laughs) and I had to truly retrain my mind to not say a cuss word, not say a swear word. I had to choose to choose a different word. And it was such a knee-jerk reaction that I had to actually like do the exercise of being like, eh, don't say that. Like like, there are other options here. And I don't know. Another example would be like years ago, I thought I had stage fright. I, I really thought I was like, crap, am I like really bad in front of a crowd? Which was difficult because for my job, what I did for work, I was in front of hundreds of people constantly, often. And I would host truly almost like a podcast. Like I I hosted a uh, monthly webinar and I would be speaking to the whole company. And I just felt little and I felt like I was doing it wrong and I would get anxious. And I don't know, maybe I still do have a form of stage fright. But what I will say is right now, when I talk on stage, I don't know why, like if a doctor out there can tell me why this happens, always when I walk off stage, I'm like, why does my breath smell so bad? Like it's not cotton mouth. I don't get like cotton mouth. It's something about my adrenaline, like makes my breath smell so bad after. And 
I just feel like I always have to have like gum on hand. I don't know. It's just interesting because I'm, I've had to think about when I thought I'm like, okay, do I have stage fright? What's going on? Like something's happening in my body when I get on stage, but I have to do this for work. So what am I going to do? Um, and it's like almost a form of like a fight or flight sense that, um, I had someone explain it to me of like, well, you know, like you are going to experience that. Like you're aware, don't be surprised that you might feel that like you would if you're a people pleaser and having to say no to someone. So why don't you try walking on a treadmill? So I would practice my speeches, practice my webinars on an incline on the treadmill, like win-win, right? Cause I got a little bit of a workout, hot girl walking, but then I also, my breath would get so short because I'm walking on an incline and I would have to practice the art of calming myself down under stress. And it helped me to think of myself as a person. I know it's silly, but like I don't have to execute perfection. I'm a person who is going to have natural responses and it just allowed me to depower this anxiety and power up myself. I would have to manufacture pauses. I would slow down my breathing. I would regain power of like my breathing, my control, my my voice. And I just think this like fight or flight, or you could say freeze. I feel like they say fight, flight, or freeze. You know, fight where you're like aggressive, flight where you run away physically or mentally avoiding the conflict, or freeze where you like shut down. And people way smarter than me have also described that there's like this fourth response that's called fawning, like a fawn. I think of like a deer, (laughs) like a deer is like a fawn, I guess. Christopher will have to tell me for sure, but I'm pretty sure like a baby deer is a fawn, right? And it's this sort of like mimicking response or truly like people pleasing where, I mean, in really super horrible, abusive or like high conflict situations, you're just avoiding conflict so much that you fawn to pacify the abuser. Um, you want to create a sense of safety. And it's crazy that I, I haven't been in an abusive um, a situation like that, but I do it in my own little ways. But you know, I I should actually say I have been in a situation where, so um, I'll give very few details here very intentionally, but um, Ellie, uh, we were in a situation where I felt uncomfortable with a neighbor of ours and I felt as silly as this sounds because my daughter, it's my blood, it's my baby. Um, I was just like avoiding of this neighbor because he made me feel uncomfortable. He made Ellie feel uncomfortable. He did inappropriate things. And I, it's so embarrassing to admit, but I just wanted to run. I, um, I guess I was flighting. I wasn't, um, freezing. I wasn't fighting and I wasn't maybe fawning, but maybe it's a form of that because I was just like, if I saw him, I would just be pleasant, but I didn't really ever address what happened. And Christopher ultimately handled it straight on. Um, It's very much in Christopher's repertoire to handle things straight on. But I, even before Christopher had this one-on-one conversation with this man, I remember talking to my sister-in-law, Katie, and I was telling her about the whole situation, telling her about how uncomfortable I was and how I was basically like, oh, my plan is to just avoid him. And she was like, Anna, you have to look those people in the eyes. Their comfort should be the bottom of your priority list. And I was like, holy crap, like this baby, Ellie, you know, she's like three or four at the time. And I'm like, I am entrusted to take care of her. The Lord has entrusted me on this earth. It's a lot of brokenness. And if I can't do it for her, like what in the world, like bare minimum do it for me, but like doing it for her, that should be like the top priority. And I just, man, I've thought about that situation too much. And 
I um, regret certain ways I handled it, but I will say I'm thankful for a husband who balances me out and directly handled it one-on-one. And we didn't care about people-pleasing in that situation. We actually cared about addressing the situation head-on. And I like invite you into that. Like There are horrible situations that maybe you need to be addressing more head-on. And I give you that. Like You need to do that. I need to do that. But then also just for like the simple things. I just wanted to end today with just like a very simple, like how to not be a victim to your calendar. Let me repeat that. How to not be a victim to your calendar. And I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what your workload is like. If you work outside the home, if you just work inside the home, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if your husband has a different role. That being said, it doesn't really matter. I believe in even like tiny ways, we are all victim to our calendar and I hate it. And I don't know if that's just a first world problem, but I constantly feel like my calendar is controlling my life. And I think because I am a people pleaser, I'm quick to fill it up. And my dad's always been a more is more like we have an empty night. Who can we invite over for dinner? And that's not bad because that is a form of generosity. And my dad is one of the most generous people I've ever met. But I just really think it's okay to say no. And I just want to tell you it's okay to say no and just say, so sorry, can't do it this time, brain check. Um, I remember uh, I listened to an interview of one of the Olsen twins where, um, LOL, like aging myself Olsen twins, but like they talked about that no is a full sentence. No, just no. And I think if it's a friend of yours, you should have a little more like throw an emoji in there, but don't feel like you have to just be like, oh, I can't do this because of this, this, this. I mean, you could, you could say, I can't do this because this weekend we did this and that we need a night off. That's okay. But also just say, sorry, can't do it this time. Can we do it soon? Or what's the next time we can do it? And like bonus points, if you reschedule a time in the future for that person to give that person space, but it's just okay to say no. Goodness, I wish someone told me that a long time ago. I also think my sister-in-law Molly does a great job of this. Her and my sweet baby brother, who is the pride and joy of my life, they, um, when they were, I think it was when they were in Atlanta, so they're currently living in Kentucky, but when they were in Atlanta, they were intentional about blocking off times, like blocking off weekends. They would call it brewer weekends. And it was just focused on their family. And they had the privilege of having tons of friends and a very big social calendar. And so for them, it was important to prioritize their marriage. And I think they did it monthly. So really as simple as just every month, they would take a whole weekend off of seeing other people. And who knows how many times they actually did it. But I just loved that concept of like, no, that's our blockout weekend. That's our blackout weekend. You know, like that's just going to be when we focus on our family. And with me and this next phase of life that I'm about to enter into, I really want to be intentional about that. And then thirdly, I think this is hard for me to do. I talked to my best friend, Kaylin, about this, that um, I am a super decisive person. When I say I'm going to do something, like I'm not fickle. I don't want to be fickle. I actually think friends that are fickle, I struggle with that. Like I love them as a person, but I wish they would be less fickle. Like that's one of my pet peeves maybe. And I don't want to be that way. And I don't know why that's like top of priority because my parents aren't fickle. And I feel like a lot of times, I don't know if your parents are a certain way, you're like, I want to be opposite of my parents. My parents are extremely not fickle. They're extremely like, we say this and we do this. Um, Maybe legalism is entered into there, no offense. But I just feel like I struggle with 
no, we said we're going to do this. We're definitely going to do this. And I think what I invite myself into is to just be able to reevaluate and have self-awareness and be aware of what are my kids like? What's my husband like? Like sometimes Christopher and I commit to things and then we look at each other like when, let's say months later it comes up and we're like, we shouldn't have done this. And it's simply okay. I mean, you shouldn't do it all the time. Like don't be truly fickle, but it's okay to reevaluate and have self-awareness especially when you enter, you know, three kids into it, a marriage that you should be prioritizing. So people pleasing can be so much more complex than just, oh, I'm just a people pleaser. Um, And I hope one day I can say I'm a recovering people pleaser, but right now I'm currently working through it. Um, So yeah, so I hope this is something that we can work through together. Um, Let me know what you think. Okay, I just listened back to that episode and so um, many points that even myself, I'm like, okay, I need to think about this like this week, this coming week. Um, So hopefully that was something for you to think about and maybe take into your week um, when you are planning all the things. I will say just my heart is like feeling a little achy about like, I want to make sure you realize that there is a difference or at least Anna, Anna, look in the mirror. Do you realize there's a difference between people pleasing and sacrificing? Like, do you believe there's a difference between people pleasing and your ministry? Like, yeah, like if it's your ministry, you're going to have sacrifices. And I actually feel like the Lord has brought me to people in the last six years. Like my ministry has been connecting with people both for myself and my like sanity, but also because I don't know, the Lord, my dad, like I have been created to connect people and I love it and I love doing it. And being people focused is an amazing thing to be just the people pleasing at the expense um, for your family, for yourself to a point where it's just bad or you're doing it, like I said in the episode, for the wrong reason, you're doing it for self-glory. You know, you only you can know that. I can't know that, you know, and time in, time out, case by case, I feel like it's going to be different. So that's up to you to kind of sift through that. But I just invite you into this conversation, maybe with your husband or your best friend, um, and just see if this, where are you? Like, is this something you should be thinking about working through? Where are you on the scale? Are you a people pleaser, you know, full send? Or are you a people pleaser only in certain situations? And like I said, be praying that the Lord would kind of give you clarity and wisdom about when to say no. (laughs) So I invite you to say no. Um, I giggle about that because there's a lot of ways we should say the best yes, but sometimes that means saying no. So anyway, okay. Love y'all. Y'all are amazing. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Talk next week. All right. Bye y'all.